this line, all virtuous leaders of the world, reminds me of a time in the monastery in Burma. As you know, I went to uh, Burma in 1985 to practice meditation like this and to ordain as a monk and to live in a monastery. And I wanted to live in a Buddhist country, see what that was like. So I went to the monastery and after I'd been practicing there for a couple of years, in the spring of 1988, Ne Win, the dictator of Burma for the last 30 years, uh, decided to step down because of political unrest. And so he stepped down without appointing another leader. So the people in the country, they all got excited, like, wow, no dictator. I guess we can have democracy, or at least that's what they wanted. And so there was a, just a general uh, enthusiastic outpouring of aspiration in the country of desire to, um, to have a different political system. And there was a, organization, organ, a lot of organizing of groups, you know, all the government workers and the bank workers and the shopkeepers and whatnot would organize and they would uh, march in big groups down through the center of Rangoon and to walk in past in front of the U.S. Embassy. And there were thousands, hundreds of thousands of people doing this daily for six weeks. And the whole country came to a stop. It was like a strike around the whole country. And it was, it was just a very heady uh, and just exuberant time in the country. And then there was an incident where some of the local police or some of the military guys got humiliated by some of the marchers. And a few days later, uh, it was in the monastery about 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and we heard all these uh, firecrackers and like some celebration going on outside the monastery. But then the loudspeakers came on, and we realized it wasn't firecrackers, it was guns and bombs and tanks and things like that. And the military was reasserting control of the country. And uh, they were just uh, suppressing all of the uh, political activity and aspirations of the people. And over the course of uh, the next few days, uh, several thousand uh, people, somewhere between three and 10,000 people disappeared. And uh, we know what happened, they, they disappeared. And uh, after that time, there was a, an edict that people could not gather in groups of more than three or four. I don't remember the number, but three, any more than three or four, if you were in a group of more than three or four, you, you could be shot. So this was an extreme, uh, extremely repressive uh, response of the military to try to suppress the aspirations of the people. Well, I was in the monastery and I was practicing insight meditation then. And you know, when you practice insight meditation, you're open to everything. You know, you're open to feeling everything that's going on. Well, it was so intense, the suffering and the disappointment and the pain and the fear and the anxiety of being there with, with this happening just outside the monastery walls that I, I just couldn't do, I just couldn't practice for past anymore. It was too, 
too painful. So I talked to my teacher, Upandita, and asked him what I could do. And he said, well, why don't you do metta, loving kindness, you know, it's to uh, pervade loving kindness to yourself and others. And it calms the mind down and it creates good feelings. Well, because of the political activity, the monastery, which usually had a lot of Burmese people in it, had to close the doors to all the Burmese. And they, they, they sent all the Burmese people home because there was no food coming into the city and wells were, were not being maintained. And it was just getting very precarious to live in the city. And the, um, the embassy people, the U.S. embassy people came to the monastery and told us all that uh, we had to get out of the country because it was unsafe and they couldn't, they couldn't guarantee our safety. Now that the military was in control, they didn't know what was going to happen. So they cleaned out uh, most of the foreigners. Many of them left because they were scared, <laughs> but I didn't want to go, so I stayed. And uh, there was just a few of us, a few foreigners and a few Burmese people living in the, in the meditation center then because of not, not, not enough food. And so I was doing my uh, loving-kindness practice, and after I'd been, you know, you start out with loving-kindness as you did here with yourself first, then your benefactor, and then you get to a good friend, you get to a neutral person, and later you get to a difficult or challenging person. And after I'd been doing it for a couple of weeks, uh, my teacher, Ubandita, said to me one day, he says, um, are you doing metta? for all of the generals that took over the country? And I said, what? Of course not. Why would, I, why would I want to do that? You know, they're so despicable and so, you know, bad. And he said, uh, well, they want to be happy. But because of their ignorance, they don't know how to be happy. They think that what they're doing is the way to be happy. But they're so ignorant, they don't know that. You can't, can't get happiness that way. So he said, you should, you should practice metta for the generals. So I said, okay, well, I'll try. It was impossible. You know, it's just like, you know, you, so you have to draw up this image of this person and think of something good that they've done. Like, what could it possibly be? And, uh, you know, so then you, well, I kept trying, you know, and I would, I would have my benefactor, Ubandita, there. And while I'm sending metta to him, I would just sneak one of the generals in beside him. <laughs> You know, kind of like sneak him in and he'll get a few hits of metta. You know, then I would think, Ray, what are you doing there? And I had to put him aside and keep the metta going with Ubandita and, you know, sneak another one in. And eventually, you know, after a few weeks, I really could feel for the generals. You know, they're human beings. They sincerely want to be happy. They're caught in their role, the relative reality role of being a military guy that somebody said, hey, you've got to take control of the country, and, you know, and they're caught in their collective delusion as much as we can be. So I realized individually they, they, they really want to be happy, and I really wish them to be happy because if they were really, really happy, they wouldn't do what they're doing. So I said, okay, there's a good reason to send them metta. I really, I really wish them to be happy. Of course, when you do metta like that, you don't know if they feel it or you don't know if you're genuine enough and you don't know if it has any effect. I mean, how do you know? I mean, the mind is so subtle, it's hard to say. But I did it, did, did what I can. And um, then that was right when Aung San Suu Kyi had come back to Burma to take care of her mother who was dying. And 
she was speaking before the before the military took over. She had been speaking in uh, at the Shwedagon Pagoda. Hundreds of thousands of people go to go to listen to her. And so there was a, just a tremendous amount of tension in the country. And because she was there and she was a potent force for the aspiration of democracy, she was just the icon of democracy for all of their aspirations of all the people, that the military people wanted to get her out of the country. They wanted to get rid of her. So they passed an edict or they promulgated an edict that said, all foreigners have to leave the country by the end of October. Now her husband was English and they figured he had to leave and if he left, she'd leave with him. But she didn't. <laughs> but when they passed this edict, it included me and the, the few other foreigners that were in the monastery. But I didn't want to go. I said, hey, I'm not, doing, I'm not causing any trouble. I, I don't want to go. But the edict was for everybody. So I said, hmm. So I found out that the general who had been appointed the, uh, uh, the director of home and religious affairs was General Ufon Mint. Ufon Mint. And uh, he was the person who had a say over whether visas for foreigners in monasteries, whether they could stay or not. So I wrote him a letter. You know, I wrote a letter saying, hey, I'm a monk. Uh, I've been a monk for three years or whatever it was at that time. Uh, I'm a good monk. I'm staying in the monastery. I'm not involved in politics. I don't know anybody. I don't speak any Burmese. I'm not, I'm not a threat to anybody. And you can check out with Upandita. And, da, 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 and I really want to stay. And so then I had this letter translated into Burmese and written out by another monk. So I had this letter that I wanted to get to Ufong Mian. Well, I thought I could just, you know, get a taxi, go into town, walk into his office and give it to him. Not, I mean, you know, monks are pretty out of touch with... Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was martial law, you know, and there was every roadblocks every mile on the road. You couldn't, couldn't go anywhere. So I was like, huh, now I wonder what am I going to do? I'd like, you know, so I was just asking around people in the monastery, you know, how I can get a letter to Ufo Mian? I mean, how do you do this, you know, under martial law? So I was sitting in my room one, one evening doing my meditation, and it was a knock at the door. This woman was at the door, and she was the, um, she was the dietitian at the dining room in the monastery. And she was a good, she was a devotee of Saito Pandita, and so she really took care of me. She really, she liked me. I used to get a lot of supplies from Thailand, and I would just give them to her for the kitchen. And uh, we had a good, unspoken, but friendly, appreciative, grateful relationship with each other. So she came to the door and she came in and she says, uh, oh, I heard you have a letter for General Ufong Mian. I say, yeah, I do. I'd like, to, I'd like to get permission to stay in the country after the end of October. And she said, well, my, um, my niece married his son and I'm going to go have dinner with him tonight. So if you give me the letter, I'll give it to him personally. Ufong Mian. I said, Cool. Okay. So she took the letter, and the next day she came back to the room, and she says, Oh, I took your letter to General Ufong Mian, and uh, he read it right there, and he said, You can stay. So when the end of October came, all the other foreigners in the country had to leave, but I could stay. 
I tell you, the power of metta is unimaginable. You don't know what power love for another person or another group of people can have. We don't understand, we often don't understand the power of the mind. We understand mechanics, we understand physical power, but the power of the heart to really touch another person and to to influence their life in um, the direction of uh, well-wishing and goodness is uh, unmeasurable. But it seems pretty obvious at times. So I encourage you to make good use of your, your meditation practice here and the method that you do in the afternoon because you never know when you need the support of those who are both friends, uh, neutral, or difficult people in your life. So thank you for your practice today. Now we can get some rest. <laughs>